Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's time once again for Rich and Bellelli's monthly conversation, including it's best to think of every possibility before giving your oath. No matter how carefully you play your cards, much of our success comes down to just plain luck. Crystallized hypocrisy, human stalking cougars, and our question of the week, how hard is it just to be a decent human? Here we go. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast, episode 143, and oddly enough, the start of year seven. Can you believe that? That's a long way. Pretty damn impressive, considering that most podcasts don't make it to seven episodes. Seven years For is real? not a bad gig. I figured that the massive audience can only be moments away. Yes, we are about to be an overnight sensation. Yeah. Um, shall we say thank you to a few nice folks? Of course. Thank Where would you like you. to begin? Oh. So many thanks you to Blue Chew Blue for Chew. sponsoring this episode, but Chew. that's not Chew. the primary reason Blue why we sponsor Chew. them. Blue Chew. Sorry, what did I say? Sponsor them? No, Blue we don't sponsor Chew. them. They sponsor Blue us. Chew. The main reason why we thank them. Yes. Oh my God, that stuff is good. What if it's just placebo? Doesn't matter, does it? Mm, first, really no. Uh, there are certain things that my body doesn't do on its own. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, it's funny, man. It's like actually the last time that you called me to check on an episode, I was busy testing the powers of Blue Chew. Blue Chew is interruptus, I'm afraid. So let, let's, uh, for those of, those of our listeners who are not up to speed, yeah. bluechew.com. It's this adorable blue-colored pill that performs some serious magic for your sex life. Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, could you please give your report? Uh, I would. I would have to say that it returns to a time of yesteryears and, and erases decades of wear and tear and returns you to a, a fella that might be twenty-three years old and kind of just. Um, I don't know. I found it does what you hope it will. Yep. But also the rebound. Is amazing, huh? It's like you're 17. That's what's funny, too, because, I mean, this stuff is used to treat ED and stuff like that. I don't really have a problem with ED. It's not that I have a problem, per se. Is the other side of it is that it makes it so much easier and more intense Yeah. that, you know, if you do have an actual problem, well, that's great. That probably can help you. But even if you don't, 
Man. It turns it up a notch. Yeah. Or sure. three. Uh, yeah. Uh, or 25. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, <laughs> very good experience. So no, I, I'm impressed. It's thumbs up around my house. I can promise you that. And as you'll hear from the dreams later, it sends some ladies into complete, complete fantasy world. Absolutely. And it's funny because this is the one time when I regret that we don't have a video podcast and we're only doing hey audio now. because you should see every single time when we are talking about it, both Rich and I have this ridiculously goofy satisfied smiles on yeah. our faces yeah. so it's uh we ain't lying folks we're uh, telling the absolute truth so uh fellas i cannot recommend it. give it a shot yep what's the worst that can happen probably not much but the um, so here is the deal for special deal for our listeners visit bluechew.com that's b-l-u-e and the word chew which is a c-h-e-w bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code DRUNK, D-R-U-N-K. Just pay $5 for shipping, that's it. $5 for shipping to get a sample of these. Yep. You'll have to answer a few questions, mm-hmm. uh, just regular medical questions, and a real doctor will go over it and check you off. And through the miracle of the internet and uh, Federal it's, Express. It's going to happen quickly and do it yesterday. That's my advice. So again, yep. that's bluechew.com, promo code DRUNK to try it for free. Can't say enough good things about them. So, yes, enthusiastic support for the sponsor. A big thank you to the usual trifecta of the sweet folks who keep us in business. On it, that's Usara, Shore Design. Uh, There's going to be a whole segment when we mention Shore Design later, so I won't go too much into it now. But yeah, check them out. They have great t-shirts, great pants, great bunch of other things out of Thailand. You know the drill. Uh, we chose to make our own Drunken Taoist t-shirts through them because they are so soft and so amazing. So, oh, by the way, those are always up for sale in case you guys want them. Yes, so that's for these guys. Uh, that's Usara. They are adding new products. So hemp gear to the tent power. Go to dsgear.com. They have new bags. They are restocking new things. The only thing they haven't restocked that I'm anxiously awaiting for is my hoodie, as I pronounce it. Yeah. How do you pronounce it in actual English? I think it's called hoodie. Yeah. Okay. Close enough. That's a hoodie. I know. <laughs> but. Very um, so check out dsgear.com and of course on it. Couple of things regarding on it. In addition to the 10,000 great products that they already carry, I've made up the 10,000 numbers, but close enough. There's uh, they started adding some new flavor protein bars. So if you want to check them out, I tend to snack on only protein bars a lot as a regular snack. And also they had, um, we had John Wolf on as a guest talking about Onnit 6, the program. They also started doing an Onnit 6 for kettlebells that's available now. And I believe they are going to have another one for the Indian Mace coming up oh, soon. Nice. So there's, uh, they are expanding the range of their online fitness offering, which is pretty awesome. Thank you to the nice folks at snowroast.com. That's snow as in the thing that falls from the sky and roast as in roasting for delicious coffee. Use the code TAO, T-A-O, the number 18, TAO18 for a 15% discount. And you're probably going to need the coffee to keep straight the numbers. TAO18, 15% discounts. Highly complicated. (laughs) <laughs> but um, it's good coffee. So check them out. It's mainly made in small batches in Colorado, first come, first serve kind of thing. So check it out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like as it gets prepared, it goes up on the website. And when it's gone, it's gone. So That's how it is. 
And with that, um, shall we just jump in? Yeah, here we go. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. no. Time out, time out, time out. Sorry. Who did we forget? Yes. Oh, my God. So, ni- nice folks at nevertapgear.com. Oh. We mentioned them because they sponsor Savannah and yes. everything. But recently, they created this rush guard based on Savannah's design. flying off the shelf. People have to love it. It's amazing. It came out, like Savannah did this design of the Tomoe gods and the female samurai. Yeah. Beautiful painting, absolutely. The colors are awesome. But I had the feeling of like, yeah, you put it on a rush guard, how good are the colors going to stay? It's not going to come out as good. It's still better than nothing, but let's see. Never Top Gear decided to create it. That's the Hands down, the coolest rush guard I've ever seen. And the render of the colors is amazing. There's a Tomogodzin with her sword drawn. And ca- severed head. Carrying the severed head of one of her enemies. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> glorious. One of the coolest things in existence. So if you do roll jujitsu or anything else for which you may use a rush guard, check out nevertapgear.com. Would you put it above the Conan one? Actually, I would. Yeah. As much as I love the Kona one, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, it is super dope, one, as the kids would say. Yeah. Takes it one notch up. She did a great job. Yep. Came out amazing. Well, there you have it. So, episode time. Here we go. some dream time but i hear this savannah dream yeah. holy smokes are we allowed to disclose this yeah i was reading right now I'm like hey i don't remember having this dream and then i realized oh this is savannah's dream this is like i put these notes in the dream file and i realized yeah this one is not mine but it's fun so let's uh, <laughs> let's go play with that i'll read it directly what she wrote so she said we are on a bus full of rows of mattresses for passengers to have sex on. There was an instructor to teach these people how to have hotter sex. Anyway, you and I, Savannah and me, just started doing our own thing. Just as I was about to finish, the instructor comes in and tries to get in on her action. When you, without skipping a beat, grab him by the throat with one arm, pinning him down and keeping him away from me, as I had the greatest orgasm of my life. That's a good dream. I dig that. Wow. I got to play hero while having sex. How good is that? Yeah, you accomplished all the the boxes are checked off in that one. Totally. Hero, uh, master coxman. There's a very uh, drunken Taoist logo thing going on there, right? Yeah. The making out. There's only no alcohol. Other than that, there's the making out. Well, that's how I got got you on the bus in the first place, I'm sure, (laughs) because who the hell would want to be there in the first place? (laughs) 
just from a like when's the last time these mattresses were changed yeah exactly. and who the hell are those people over there and that guy's sneezing it's like oh, jesus yeah disturbing on multiple levels perhaps but... it's the future when all the cars are self-driving and you don't have anything to do anymore and and so i heard. drive the sloppy ass sex bus ride to work today because yep. Uh, it didn't sound hygienic to me, I'm afraid. No, I'm afraid not. That's where it's good that it's a dream and not reality. Yeah, because uh, that mattress could be squishy with yeah. who knows what. And uh, so this this sponsor <laughs> is, uh, this segment is sponsored by Blue Chew. Uh, that <laughs> what brought it up. <laughs> Maybe that's what brought it up. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious, man. So. Satisfaction levels reach to the extremes thanks to the awesome capacity of your friends at BlueChew.com. Order today. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I mentioned that somebody recorded like a hundred Duncan Trussell short design commercial, put them all together back to back to back on YouTube. Glorious. It's one of the greatest videos ever created by humankind. It's just awesome, right? Of made from kitten scrotums that are gently massaged into a fabric the likes of which you've never even encountered. Of course, within two minutes, my good nine-year-old daughter asked, what's a tranny? <sighs> and the next question about a minute later was, what are the Illuminati? And then uh, finally there was, are short design t-shirts made with puppy ears and the back of Nan's knees? I thought, thank you, Duncan. Yeah. That was uh, that provided some stimulating conversation over dinner. Normally, you got to make a trip down to Hollywood and Vine to get that taken care of, which we actually did. We got off the wrong train stop like when we just got here. And so yeah. the kids were like fifth, seventh, third grade. And the worst trannies, not that there's anything wrong with that, but these fellas were failing miserably. Right. And it was quite an amazing eye-open welcome to Hollywood moment. Because we got yeah. the same questions. Yeah, it was why, pretty funny. Why is that man wearing a dress? But you know, I'm actually a big fan of not uh, censoring conversations for kids. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't want to be, or rather, let me change it as like, I, you I don't, don't think it's cool playing to be. playing a Richard Pryor record from 78. Yeah, maybe anything. not. And But also, I, I don't think being needlessly brutal or mean or, you know, stuff that creates sadness in kids. Yes. I think like you want to watch it a little bit. Because they are little sensitive creature in one way, but at the same time they are little savages in another. So it's like, uh, other than that, you know, the way I approach it is: kids are people who have less experience than you, and they have a smaller vocabulary. That's it. You know, you can still talk about important things. You can still have good conversations. You can still, and they learn that way. And it's it's amazing how much they actually can adapt to to the level of conversation. And well, the level when of you conversation. hide things, too, you just create more difficulties down the road. Yeah, I don't exactly. know if you saw the Gary Shandling story. No. His brother, I think he had cystic fibrosis or something, but mm-hmm. he died when he was like 10. Right. And I can't remember if he was a little older or a little younger, but his parents, not only did they not let him go visit his brother on his deathbed, yeah. but 
They didn't let him go to the funeral, wow. so he never had any capacity to say goodbye to him. Right. And the next thing you know, his best friend was essentially forgotten and never mentioned again. Wow. And yeah, that uh, cracked him for his entire life. Of course. Nothing like denial to, to make things work. And then, you know, to keep that bottled inside yourself and no one will talk to you about it no, just makes it bloom. Because I'm with you. I mean, there are difficult conversations, sure. but when you hide it, you're just going to make it worse. You're just going to let it fester, and it's going to come out later. Have you seen the... Oh, earthquake. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, Mr. Rogers movie? No. He did, he did episodes about divorce mm-hmm. and death yep. and confronted it straight on because he knew, you know, just Real. like you said, children are just smaller people, yep. but they can't be treated like idiots. That no, absolutely. You've got to be straight with them. Yep. You don't have to be detailed straight with everything. Yeah, exactly. But you can, you know. Censor it in yeah. a way that just, makes sense. But, exactly. But lying is a whole different thing. Completely. And that's why I'm like, you know, not too many topics are completely... There's a sensitivity, there's a tone that you adopt. There's, a, you know, that for sure, I get it. But at the same time, you don't need to completely squash entire topics. That's just silly. Because, by the way, it never works. Because, no. you know, eventually pops up in the context. It's the same as the just say no to drugs, just say no to alcohol, just say no. It just makes like, you want it even more. Yeah, it's like if you have a conversation about, like, take alcohol, for example, right? You know, the way it is in places like Italy. Like, I don't even know that there's an age limit. But even if there is, nobody enforces it. But you literally learn how to drink, as in how to drink well versus how to drink like an idiot. You know, you learn that a little bit makes you feel good. Little more doesn't make you feel good. And that's why I think I, other than when I was two years old and by mistake, I ended up drinking a whole lot of champagne and threw up my soul, luckily, because that could have killed me. (laughs) But other than that minor incident, I never threw up once in my life from alcohol. You know, because to me, it's like there's a sweet spot and I know what that sweet spot is and I hit that and I don't go past it because I know that past that is just going to get ugly. And so to me, it's like it's not rocket science is you learn it, <laughs> you know, whereas if you don't, that is like, oh, I got my hands on the prohibited stuff. If some is good, more must be better. Before you know it, you're throwing up all over yourself, which is gross, among other things. And the next thing you're uh, running for Supreme Court. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I just mentioned it because it's just so obvious that in America, because they try to mm-hmm. hide it and drinking's terrible. Why is drinking terrible when every other commercial during football yeah. is, how can you have a game without 10 beers in you? And I don't know how many times I've been to a uh-huh. concert or a, or a game where there's some drunk asshole two rows back that is ruining it for everybody. I went to a yep. Dodgers game last year, right. and this motherfucker... Nice old ladies that are doing the tour. They're going to every major, major league ballpark. Sure. Just delightful, having a nice chat with them. And by the fourth inning, I had to call an usher to have this asshole removed because when I approached him myself, right? Look, man, that's enough. You drunk? Calm down. Who the fuck are both of them? But of course, which no, I knew would be the reaction. I was stupid yeah. to even try it myself. But you hope that just the belligerence of these drunk assholes. Yeah, another thing I never understood because when I get drunk, I want to hug everybody, so I'm always in. Well, there's a, different ones, you know. There's the Hemingway drunks, and right. then there's the happy drunks, and yeah. then there's the, which is just. I guess it just opens up what's boiling up inside of you. I tend to become the super sweet, hug everyone, uh, 
I, I become way nicer than I normally am when I'm drunk. So I, I never understood the angry drunk thing. I mean, I see it, so I know it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. But it never made any sense to me. I'm like, I have enough anger to my regular life. It's when I'm drunk that I've actually six... Uh, I definitely get more talkative, which seems to be almost impossible to... <laughs> but I've never really kind of been the angry thing, but I have had way too much before and just, yeah, insanity comes out. I mean, to the point where I realize I never have more than two drinks at an occasion. Yeah, exactly. And normally I knock the first one back quick and then nurse the second one for hours yeah, and hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like... And no trouble. And whereas with the no until you're 21 is a joke. Because, of course, people are going to drink without any kind of guidance. So it's yep. kind of like saying to somebody, you will never be able to drive until you are 50. And, of course, they are going to get in a car and drive, but with nobody ever told them how to drive. Yep. And it's like, that really seemed like a good idea. Just... And we treat sex the same way with kids. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, no. And the whole idea that abstinence, which continuously, yeah, of course. you want some pregnant teenagers? Right. Of course, that doesn't, Push that never works, of course. And the drink is the same thing. And that's why when you finally do get to college, I mean, of mm -hmm. course, they've already been sneaking out the parties, but definitely harder to get a hold yep. of some alcohol in high school. But that's when the real insanity begins. And, and that's where you were going with the whole Supreme Court example. Is like, to me, that notion is, oh, I was drunk, I can't remember. That's not a justification. No. That means you're a fucking asshole for getting to that point. Yep. You know, it's like if you are ever in a place where you're not responsible for your action, you chose to end up there. Not somebody else, you chose it. So, and whether that means you got behind the wheel of a car or whether that means whatever you have done is like, it didn't happen to you. You you made a choice yeah. that led to that place. And so, even if you were blacked out at that point, but uh, that's still you in there. Yeah, exactly. They didn't, a monster didn't yeah, take over. Yeah. You're and just again, on autopilot. And it's not that somebody roofied you where it's like, okay, it wasn't your choice. I blacked out. No, you blacked out because you chose to black out. That's a whole different scenario. Yeah. You know? It was pretty frightening. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ladies sharing their stories. Oh, yeah. And then when you hear this guy you know my car broke down and i really didn't have a choice and he took me to my house and said yep. good night and took it to, like like the fact that somebody treated them well yep. seems like it's the outlier of course it's stunning and terrible yep because yep. i just don't get it man it's just the idea of taking advantage of somebody drunk like that that uh rugby kid or yeah. lacrosse kid that oh she's drunk behind the uh the uh the dumpster, dumpster. Yeah. might as well have my way with her yeah what no, the it's... fuck is that all about yeah it's disgusting That's... i don't think what do you think the percentage is 15 percent of men are just monstrous i don't know it just doesn't make any sense to me because it's like uh... well if your partner isn't willing how could it possibly be fun yeah i don't even when I passed it, out or desperately yeah. trying to escape, what is good about any of that, Bill Cosby? I mean, what? Yeah, and I, that's one of the things that I really have a hard time understanding. I mean, I also, I, I was noticing, I was having a conversation yesterday, only mildly related in the sense that it's on the topics of responsibility, but I don't understand this uh, almost weird Catholic guilt of there's the stuff that I want to do and I have what my morality tells me to do and there's this internal battle all the time. Like, to me, it's very simple. It should be the same list, shouldn't it? If I believe some stuff, then I live up to it. Yes. There's not, like, the only exception I can think of to that is, like, sometime I would like to be more patient and snap a little less and sometimes um, my energy has run out sooner than my ideals and i tend to be a little snappier than i would like to be 
that I get, you know, where my ideal doesn't match my practice. But other than scenario where immediately I catch myself and I go like, why the, you know, come on, man, you can do better than this. To actually have a situation where you make a conscious choice to forego your ideals because, oh, I really want these. Well, if you really want these, then you either need to revise your action or you need to revise your ideals. Because how can you live with that kind of hypocrisy? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the, there's this level of entitlement with these fellas that just like, I'm man and will get what I deserve and to hell with her. Which and, and, makes you know, zero sense to me. But I think yeah. that what else could the thinking be, you know? Yeah. Damn it, you woman, you do as you're told. Yeah, I think there's a monstrous lack of empathy there. For sure. And also a pretty shitty sense of self, because that's really the person that, like, when you sit down and choose, who do I want to be as a human being? That's who you choose to be, the one who preys on the weak. and The desperate monster that will take whatever he can get a hold of when it's available. And, you know... Odds are that if you sit down and think about, like, take a guy like that, right? If he sits down and think what his ideals are, he doesn't think that those are his ideals. But then why do you do it if those are not your right? How can you be such a spineless little shit that you have these ideals of what it means, what your ideal self is, and what you actually manifest in reality so far from that. Well, look how far I got him. Yeah. No, I, in fact, it's not that the world is necessarily going to smack you in the face for it, because in many cases it doesn't, and you can get away with it. Yeah. But the point being, I, I just don't understand this clash between uh, ideals and actual behavior. Because to me, it's like, it's very simple. I'm not a strict, uh, hardcore, strict morality kind of guy. But I am clear about who I am and what I want. And so even things that may not be considered the most moral by somebody else, according to me, if I think that there's a morality in it, then that's a code of conduct I can live with, you know? But whichever code of conduct I create for myself is also the one that I live by. Well, that's the biggest problem, this crystallized hypocrisy where when we're trying to get our way, it does not matter. Yeah. That's... And then the rules are flipped when it's going the other way. And yep. then just to not even address it, not even to just deny and, oh, this is how we do it this week because that's what we want. Yeah, it's the lack of honesty. First of all, oh. with oneself. That's yeah. weird. It's like, you know, if those are your ideals, how about you live up to them? And if, do, and if you can't live up to them, then you should probably review your ideals and admit to yourself that that's not who you are. Well, they don't want to admit that it's win at all costs, to hell, what, what is it? The ends justify the means. Right. So they do not give a shit. Fascinating. It's a terrible way to run a country. Yeah, or even your own life. Or a right? family. Yeah. yeah, or your own life. Just as, a, as, a, as an individual. Like before you even affect everyone else, which is horrible. Yeah. Even just with yourself, it's a very weird way of choosing to go through your life to me. And yet, then again, on one end is a very weird way to choose to go through your life. But at the same time, when I look at it's so widespread that maybe I'm the odd one, you know? It's like, take a case, like, much milder, right? More, much more mellow. But take a case, like, majority of people in this country today would be 100% behind the theory that monogamy is best, right? I no, don't know the exact percentages, but I would venture a guess that a hell of a lot of those people, if given the opportunity to get away with it, will gladly cheat on their spouse. To me, it's like, if you want to sleep around, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, 
but then don't come tell me that monogamy is best when clearly that's not who you are and that's not how you want to live. You know, be honest about it. Once again, do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. It's like, it's it's weird to me. It's like, what's wrong with saying, you know, if that's who you want to be, admit it, find ways that are decent to be that way around other people so you don't do it in a predatory, weird way. You do it in an honest way. Yeah. Then it's okay. If that's who you are, you want to sleep around, you're clear with other people, your power to you. Or if you believe that monogamy is truly best, then it shouldn't be that damn hard to live by that. You know, then you are and it's not that much of a weight to be monogamous. And then when you scale it up between an ocean full of plastic, an atmosphere that is going to destroy us because we filled it with Mm -hmm. carbon and, and wait till the methane starts spewing mm-hmm. out of uh, the frozen tundras of, of Canada and, yep. and Alaska and, and Russia, then things are really going to get crazy. They're happy. Oh, and my real favorite, all those jobs left America, those factories, those factories just didn't drift off on themselves. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather be in Vietnam right now where people are getting 14 cents an hour. No. No, of course the not. owners did it. Mm-hmm. And they know what they did. Of course. And the reward... It's a tax break mm-hmm. to put two trillion extra dollars onto the back of the next two generations. Yep. If there are two more generations. Yep, 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 yep. That is funny because usually the topic of personal responsibility tend to be almost conceived as a right wing talking point. It used to. And to me it's like no, it's not. It's a human being thing. You know, it's like if you're a decent human being, you push personal responsibility, right? Uh, never mind the fact that the talking point is again what people say and what people do are two different things but the very idea is like to me there are certain things that are universals you know developing discipline having responsibility is not a left wing right wing it's a human being thing it's like if you're a decent human you'll do those things it's not that to me it's like such a low bar to meet you actually do what you say we're not saying Ooh. genius level stuff. We are, you know, it's starting to talk crazy all of a sudden. Sort of just basic minimum level of integrity, right? And yet it's rare enough that one is like, whoa, he does what he says. Clap, clap, clap. What yeah. a great guy. And yeah. it's like, holy shit, that's a low bar. Yeah. We got a problem. Yeah. Some people more than others. But. Well, it just seems to be those the ones that collect the wealth and win at all costs, they seem to be the most willing to, they don't give a shit. We've talked about it a hundred times though. They don't give a shit about 20 years down the road. If I can make a nickel today, I'll worry about the $10 it costs me later. Maybe. And, and I think it's a, it's a mental virus because at the same time you see it with super poor people who are willing to murder their grandma for a color TV. And it's the same mentality, you know? So in that sense is, it's just who you choose to be, really, at regardless of clearly in order to make it big, the odds are choices have to be made along the way. But, you know, people make those choices. <laughs> this is even sadder, right? It's like you're still that much of a shit of a human being. And on top of it, you don't even get to get the multi-million thing because you are busy stealing on three cents. And that's the level that you're going to play. So yeah. your mentality is the same. You're just the ghetto version of that. <sighs> But on that note, be good humans, you know, just, and again, very low bar. We're not saying anything crazy. Think about who you want to be and then be that thing, you know, and be upfront about it. Be straight about it. First of all, with yourself, 
and then it would be nice with others as well. Doesn't seem that complicated. Nope. And if, you know, the, the planet doesn't care, but if the species is going to survive, yep. time really is running short. So that's not to say that, you know, 170 years from now, there's 19,000 of us left, but is that really what we're aiming for? Yeah. Story time. Story time. Let me start with a real one. No, actually, they're all real ones, but one that's not historical per se. Something that just happened last week to some guy. Who, um, nice guy. I know him only through Facebook. Brandon from this company called Rocky Mountain Savage, which is a genius name already. Sent me some of his T-shirts and stuff. He's a big time uh, hunter out of Wyoming and that area. He goes a bow hunting. He has very much the, you know, if you're familiar with the good old Joe Rogan approach to hunting, you know, if you're going to eat meat, it better be stuff that you that doesn't come from factory farming, that oh, kind yeah. of approach, right? That was my, my old pal Dave Watson that I did his hunting shows with. He was the best for the arrow. He, I saw him shoot a chicken on the back of it. He was in a moving pickup truck with a running chicken and popped its head off. Jesus. It was incredible. Insanity. I mean, don't piss him off. <laughs> or an arrow may come your way. On that yeah, note, he was very much the same way, you know. Especially like even like a bison. You were talking about bison farming earlier. Yep. This was so long ago. This is like 14, 15 years ago. And even back then, um CNN owner's name, Ted Turner, he's got like the oh, yeah. he owns most of Montana. Yep. Because he is continuously and still at this point trying to regrow the largest bison herd yep. on the planet. And when it finally comes through, it's going to be great for all of us because it's delicious. It is. And they've got it's probably 20 of those Ted Turner's Grill or Ted's Montana mm -hmm. Grill in the South right now. But they're going to come out here before long when they have enough sustainable. Of course. And they, um, they walk while they eat. Yep. So they're great for the land. They yep. don't just decimate it and destroy it. They actually shit it up quite nicely. And it's less cholesterol too. Of course. Better uh, than skinless chicken. Yep totally because they are lean and so again maybe you know people feel i have all sort of feelings about hunting some people hate it some people like it suspend judgment just take the story for what it is yeah so the um, our our good man is up on a mountain hunting is getting to be closer tonight sun is going down and uh, he's out there doing his thing he's in the this thicket of trees and all of a sudden he said this weird feeling that he never felt just all of a sudden complete desperation comes on him where he feels the proverbial hair standing on the back of his neck and this sense of complete hopelessness kicks in and he's after elk yeah and he's hearing elk That's all around, around. and uh, he's like, what's going on? You know, there's elk not horrendously far, but, you know, things are actually pretty good as far as hunting is going, you know, and what is this feeling? So he walk out of this uh, thicket of trees, takes maybe 20 steps, is about 20 yards away, and he hears a twig snapping behind him. And he turns around and he sees the biggest mountain lion he has ever seen about 20 yards away. Isn't that crazy how he could sense it? Yeah, absolutely. That's already an interesting one. The fact that you can, there's something there that sometimes you can sense. I, we have an alertness I don't think we're totally in tune to. Absolutely. And you pick up on the mountain lion murderous intentions that mm -hmm. is trying to turn you into steak. 
So yeah, that's fascinating in itself, right? That sixth sense ability that exists. But the other part that's interesting is that he turns, you know, he opens up his jacket to make himself big and look scary and stuff, start yelling at the mountain lion and the mountain lion is looking at him like, mm, yeah, he he's, even more delicious that's now. not gonna happen. Uh, and before you know it, the mountain lion starts assuming the crouch, like his tail is going back and forth, and he starts assuming the crouching position, classic National Geographic, right before the attack on the gazelle kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, and so he pulls out an arrow, and, you know, he's crazy adrenaline dump, so his hands are shaking, and he's like, you know, he's, the entire time he's thinking, you know, this is going to be, this is the most important shot of my life, because yeah. if I miss it, I'm dead. And uh, and I'm gonna be the stupid motherfucker who miss it and get eaten by a mountain lion on a mountain. Oh, and uh, focus for your inner legolas yeah, at this if, point. If I miss this shot, I'm done. You know. And so he's like, uh, he said for half a second, everything comes to stillness where he stops shaking and he feels like, okay, I have it. Let's go of the arrow. Managed to wound the mountain lion. Mountain lion said, oh, shit, this prey is a lot harder than I thought he was. I'm out. So mountain lion takes off running and um, probably doesn't kill him because he tracks him down, couldn't find the body anywhere and stuff. Probably just a wound. But still, the point being, that was a close one, right? Because he said, uh, that's like the, you know, there are mountain lions in Wyoming. Definitely, you see a bunch. He said that thing was humongous. There was like a monster mountain lion wow. that pops up at night while you're there and is not the least disturbed by your efforts to chase it away, yelling, screaming, yeah. stuff. You'd probably take a shot at one of those elk. Ex You're not going to be any danger. Exactly. And so he's like, that's a crazy one. That is insanity. Yeah. That's a little... Uh... <laughs> It's a little intense. I saw a great viral video just last week, and it's people, I want to say maybe Idaho, something like mm -hmm. that, but a couple of elk, and they're... Do I hear something? Yeah, yeah, it's my dad talking. Oh. We'll, we'll cut this out, and uh, yeah, so yeah. let's go louder so we cover up. No, the... it'll be fine. Uh, I just made sure I wasn't crazy. Um, so there's people like standing outside of their car because there's a couple elk, yeah. and they're calling at each other, and they're having it out. Yep, of course. And all of a sudden, elk looks over, and it's like, what the hell is over there? And here's the people. And it trots straight over and Ooh. whacks the shit out of one dude. Just Ooh. wham. Yeah. So obviously he was a demon. Because why a else demon would he? elk? No, a demon human. A demon human that no, he the picked elk was that one. So he's like, just... wait a minute. There's a demon over there. Because that's exactly what it looks like. It's like they're getting ready to scrap, you know, doing their. And decided. And it's uh, like, whoa, wait a minute. Like that's... they leave, like the Roddy Piper movie where the elk put the glasses on and yeah. so, hey, that one is not like all the other ones. Exactly. That one that's is exactly worse. Because he just picked him out and just whacked him. Wow. It's hilarious. I'm yeah. sure if you look up elk attack, oh, yeah. you'll find it out. And it's, I found it really delightful. <laughs> People do it with bison all the time that they oh, go take pictures be crazy. three feet away and the bison are like, yeah, screw you. And they just horn them into the next dimension. The elephant seals we have up in uh, like near San Simeon. Yeah. Like people, I mean, this thing's the size of a Volkswagen because it looks kind of like yeah. it can't move that quick. But when it does, it's, it's going to be too late. Fast. People with their dogs like running around. Like, what are you thinking? You know. So I was actually tempted to have some other story for you, but I think the demon mountain lion uh, in a mountain in Wyoming at night. With and the, the demon hunting elk. So it's a, it's a sort of a, an, a, an anthology. And if I may quote Eminem one more time, 
one shot, once in a lifetime, right? In this case, applying to the bow and arrow. If you miss the shot, it's not just mom's spaghetti that's going to be on your chest. No, it's your, your guts are going to be on your chest. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nature yeah. is scary. Yeah. I, by the way, did you listen to the latest Eminem? I've listened to some of it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not terrible. No, it's I don't, not bad. I don't know. You don't dig Eminem? I love the first record. I mean, the the Slim Shady record when that one first came out. Right. I was like, only like the Nirvana response. Can I like a record? I was like, what is right. this? And um, I don't know. He seems angry. Yeah. No, you think? Yeah, I think he's angry. Just a tad. Just a little bit. Yeah. I understand it more than I understand the Kanye stuff, but we're not going down that road. Is Isabella once told me she, oh, she was playing with uh, our multiple time guest Mark Chang. She was at her house playing with like one, some of their, he has two kids with one of them. And uh, at one point, Isabella was like, yeah, we bonded over the fact that we both love Eminem. And Mark was like, my son listened to Eminem. It was, came as a news to him, but he was like, no, no, nothing, nothing. Uh, no, clearly not. Oh, <laughs> they were just playing, but it's like apparently Eminem was a big thing. In any case, before we go down another crazy rabbit hole or a mountain lion belly, yeah. we'll wrap this one up. Molten hot digital mailbag. There's no telling what's in there. So I'm going to get my, my, my fancy uh, tongs out from the Dan Carlin torture episode and pull. Oh, there it is. Ooh, steaming hot. Here we go with number one by Skippy Dunder on Twitter. Let's go with the first one. This one is it's a very interesting question. It's lacking a little bit of context. So I have to interpret the various scenarios because it's open ended. But the question is simple. It's a, can an oath ever be broken ethically? Um, now, I'm monstrously intense when it comes about keeping your giving word. one was word. Mm -hmm. Yes. So to me, it's like the question is, why did you give your word in the first place if it's something that you're going to have second thoughts about for any reason? Now, of course, there are exceptions to everything. Of right? course. So, what, if, what if the situation shifts over 15 years and what you signed up for and gave an oath to suddenly becomes poisoned? True. And in fact, that's why you want to have that little bit of flexibility. On the other end, to me, before you give your word about something, you should have thought about all the possible scenarios. You yeah. know what I mean? All the, and in that case, you say, no, I'm not giving you my word. I give you my word if these conditions are met. You know, and then that's a different story. So I, I'm big on being very specific about it. You know, I think I mentioned it one before. I had this, it was hilarious. I was, I think, 21 and um, I was in a relationship with this lady and she was, um, she knew that she was not the easiest person to be around all the time. And, you know, her moods, her everything was a little much sometime. And one day she, I'm sure she could tell after like the 30th million discussion in the middle of the night going on is like, she asked me like, 
I forget the exact way she phrased it, but basically it was like, could I conceive of a context in which I would ever hit her? Right. And of course, you know, last thing in the world in a relationship where I would be like, yeah, of course, I'm going to. It's like, no, that's not who I am. That's not what I would do. But even in that context, I was like, I'm not giving you my word right now. Give me a day to think about it, you know, because I really want to exhaust every conceivable scenario. Well, she got a pistol. And in fact, that was my thing. It's like, I think the scenario is as long as you're not coming after me. Yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. I think we're good. But but I really, in my mind, it was too easy to say 99% of cases, that's never going to happen. Well, 99% is not giving my word. I don't give my word on 99%. I give my word if I'm 101% sure. You know what I mean? It's like, so that to me was like, we are at 99. I don't like it enough. Let me think about the remaining 1%. Okay, that one, no, that one doesn't apply, that one doesn't work. Okay, yeah, if you're coming at me with an axe, that probably would apply. <laughs> yeah, that's the only scenario. Okay, we're good, you know. But even a question like that, which is a complete no-brainer, of course is no. I would still want to, like, hey, let me go over the various possibilities here. Because my guess is that in order to break it is because you didn't think it through. And you give your word a little too lightly. Like, like poor Jamie fun. Lannister, I mean... He, the Mad King, was burning people alive, so he took him out. Well, but that's why I'm not so sure that I would want to swear. I don't think he was thinking that, yeah, that, one day he'll be burning people alive here in the yeah. uh, throne room. I'm just going to give my <laughs> word to some random king that I'll always be loyal to him. No. No. Why would I? And what are you asking for anyway? What are you afraid of there, pal? Yeah. You're going to be doing something shady and... No, in fact, so to me, it's like, and again, I'm sure there is a scenario where you thought it through in every which way, there's something that doesn't quite fit. But I think it's one case in like three million, you know, it's like realistically in the majority of cases is you, that means you gave your word too lightly. We're going to take very good care of you. But if you want to be a member, I expect to have some loyalties. Right. Uh, so if you're going to be hanging with the president, you must uh, give me some assurances that there won't be trouble down the road. That's how it is. Be very specific. And, and otherwise you can say, yeah, I will get it done. I'm not giving you my word. Those are two different things. Or, yeah, I, I'm sticking to this, I think, for the most part, not giving you my word. Giving you my word to me is like it's a 100% sealed deal done. You know, it's, in fact, to give you an example, I had uh, I signed a contract to write uh, 50 things you're not supposed to know about religion. I signed it, I think it was the end of 2010. By that point, Elizabeth, my wife, was sick. I didn't know how sick. And the deadline was like, okay, get it done in six months. Now, from pretty much the moment right after I signed is when she started ending up in the hospital all the time, then uh, everything went downhill fast, then she died, then I had a 19-month-old baby on my own to take care of, then I had house I couldn't pay, you know, there was every conceivable drama going on, and still the time is ticking, and I have to write a book in the middle of all that, right? And when, and even when those guys at one point, they said, hey man, we understand that your circumstances have changed. In my mind was like, no, I gave you my word that on April 1st, you get your fucking book. You are going to get your fucking book. That's it. I mean, it's like, I can still pull it off. Uh, if it gets to a point where physically I cannot pull it off, 
well, that's a different story. But even in that scenario, to me, it's like, this is not a way out necessarily. This is still is, I'll write it while I'm giving my baby her milk. I'll think of the next sentence. I'll write it the second she goes to sleep. I'll just try to crank for an hour before crashing. I'll, you know, to me, it's like, I told you I was going to do it by a certain deadline, guaranteeing you that deal. I don't give a fuck what happens. I still need to get it done by that deadline. And that doesn't even achieve oath level. Yeah. That's just like, you know, an agreement. Yeah, I mean, in my mind... And I see you wanting to right. you know, keep with the agreement, but I mean, I think oath is a whole even like, step up from that. Like, in my mind, that is, I told you that I was going to get it done. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's like, it's almost as good as, right? It's like, I kind of give you my word that this is going to be it. I'm not fucking with stuff like that. I don't put pen to paper unless I, you know, you're asking me, hey, can you get it done? And when I do that, I'm basically telling you yes, so regardless of what happens, short of an alien invasion where I got kidnapped by it, then yes, so I we're almost get it there. Done. But almost is not it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then you still got it done. And uh, that's why I have this... Even really nice, sweet people bug the living hell out of me when they can't commit. Or worse yet, when they commit verbally but don't come through in practice. I'm like, you're a nice person. You're a sweet person. You mean well. But you got no willpower and no discipline, and as such, you can be trusted. You know, you're like a puppy. It's like I don't expect a puppy to keep an oath. I don't expect you to keep an oath because you're, you're a fuck up. You're you're a sweet fuck up, but you're still a fuck up. You know, so I hesitate to answer a complete black and white this question of say no. There is no ethical way ever, but uh, I'm I'm close to that. I'm glad you finished the book. Yeah, that's... We wouldn't be here right now if you didn't. Right? Yeah. That started all this trouble. Yeah, think about the weirdness of it all. That book, right, which I never wanted to write because I, I had all my other things, you know, creation and religion I wanted to write, On the Warrior's Path I wanted to write, Not Afraid I wanted to write. 50 things was like, I guess I have to do it for you guys in order to be able to probably get creation and religion done. And then it ends up in that context, in the middle of all the weirdest shit ever. I write that. I actually have kind of fun writing it. I Not even kind of. I enjoyed writing it. It was, I mean, enjoyed in a weird way because I'm in the middle of all sort of drama. But it's... There's a lot of delight in that book. Yeah, I had a good time writing it. I could sort of let loose and write crazy shit. That was a lot of fun. And that book then led to Joe Rogan podcast, which then led to podcasting in general as drunken Taoist and everything else yeah. and it's like that's no 50 things no history on fire nope no 50 things basically none of the podcasting I've ever done none of the it's weird how things turn some time on stuff that you would never in a million years see how the dots may connect you never do you don't you never do. you might see you can see down low and like oh they're wronging me or oh how did I why is the world but wouldn't it be nice if you could step back and see the thousand-year plan? Yeah, that would be good, right? <laughs> it would make things but, easier. Make well, betting on football easier. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I'm actually going to keep some out. He had a couple of other questions, but we'll keep those for another time. There's somebody else who asked a question that I think could be related to this. Excellent. Uh, Greg Kopecky. I'm taking a guess on how to pronounce the last name, but uh, he's saying... 
I'm gonna get to how it's related, give me two minutes to get to that point. First, let me bring up what this general question is. It's a really long one, so I'm trying to condense it for you, make it a little, but basically is how to still make a living without selling out. If you wanna strip it to the basics, you know, how the fact that like he's saying, hey, all this stuff about millennials are not trying to, they are lazy, they don't work hard enough, it's like, motherfucker i'm working like seven different jobs trying this thing that thing the other thing all of them the only thing i don't want to do is just completely sell out and the funny thing is out of the seven different jobs the one that i care about the least that are the closest to sell out spots are the ones that actually are making me more money and the ones that are more passion projects they remain a hobby because they are not really bringing in the cash so what is his definition of sellout? I mean, is he like, oh, I can't believe Led Zeppelin is doing Mercedes commercials No, now, no, or... I mean, uh, like, but he's saying, like, for example, he's doing, like, the things that bring him more money, he's doing, like, marketing, ad sales for magazines, things like that, whereas, you know, podcasting, writing, YouTube channel, this, that, and the other is bringing nothing. And, you know, and not just that. I think he's, in general, is it's easy to have a regular paycheck when you got a nine to five job that kills your soul for the most part. And the nine to five jobs that don't kill your soul are not necessarily the easiest to come by. They exist, but it's hard. So where exactly between these two extreme of, you know, the poor, the guy under a bridge who does what he wants, but you got nothing versus the guy who's going every single day to a job that he hates and is slowly killing his soul. But yeah, you have money. Where exactly in that scenario there's a happy spot? Yay. Yeah, it's not an easy one, right? No, it's not an easy one. And especially especially for the millennials, I mean, since I have a gaggle of them around my house, um, they've kind of been sold up the river because they'd love to say, oh, unemployment's at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. But a massive portion of those jobs are $11 an hour. Yeah. And having all the middle management and all the sort of middle class stuff washed away from 2008, I really don't know what to tell them. Yeah. Cause I it's... mean, you gotta be, you gotta do something, but you go and put your 40 hours, your 60 hours in and you still can't pay the rent. Yeah. That's where it sucks. And I think that's where, I guess that's where, because right now, as I was saying all this stuff, I'm like, wait, what the hell was the connection with the previous question? Cause that wasn't that about oath break. Like what the hell? Yeah. I don't remember what the, now I remember because we brought oath up to himself? 50, no, cause we brought up 50 things and all of that. The reality, I mean, you're going to have every motivational speaker in the world telling you these are the 12 steps to follow to be uh, successful and fulfill. Stab people in the back. Even if you're not, you know, the reality is there's a monstrous degree of luck involved, right? Let's be real. You can play all your cards well and it's still boiled down to at least 50% of luck. Let alone if you don't play your cards well, then your luck starts shrinking progressively to one person, you know. But the reality is that even if you do everything right, you also have to be lucky, which is why you don't want to buy one lottery ticket. Well, in this case, when it applies to job, you want to try a bunch of things because you have no idea which one, if any of them, is going to pick up. And so if you have only one thing they have invested on in this kind of a gamble... 
well, good fucking luck because it's probably not going to pan out, you know? That's the old putting your, all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And, and it's a fine line because on one end, you don't want to be so spread out that you're not committing to any of them. So you're not really giving it an honest chance. But you also don't want to be so narrow that you have one shot and like I mean, M, it's one shot comes once in a lifetime, and and sometimes it pays off for that guy, but sometimes it does. But you know, clearly your odds have decreased dramatically if all it is is about one shot. I spent eleven years working with the music business, and I've been twelve years out here working with the movie business. Yeah, and it is that's exactly what you're saying, especially when you think about how many hundreds of people showed up today in L.A. that are going to be the next Emma Stone or, or Ryan Gosling, and Truth be told, probably none of you. Right. Maybe somebody this month, mm-hmm. one of the 30,000 people of that course. show up. Of course. But if you don't try. There is that for sure. There is if you don't try. And also I think is that's where having three things going yeah. is... Like, I thought about it a lot when I was in college. Actually, half of my college classes would be semi-listening to lecture and then sitting down and starting to daydream and writing lists of what is that I can do that would actually not kill me, that would feel like I'm not, you know, that, that gives me a life that doesn't make me hate myself. So, so what happened to the stripping? It, yeah, that, is, that didn't pan out. No, I, like, you know, I put down my whole list and it was an insane list. Anything from raising bison to whatever, right? Stuff that just was never going to happen, but just to play, right? And I think that's why for me, teaching college part-time was a pretty decent option. And granted, it's a decent option to a point because that means you have to graduate, then you have to get a master. Then it turns out I got a master probably in the wrong thing, so I need to get a second master to actually give myself a more real shot at being able to. Then I have to hustle like a motherfucker calling every college up and down all the LA area, being willing to drive, get no's from like 98% of them, then still making good with the places where you get in so that you get more regular work, you become a little more established. So... I mean, the number of hoops to jump through to something that's not, by the way, the solution to all your problems. Or guaranteed by any means. No, it just covers your ass enough that I could, basically, I could afford to spend a lot of time trying different things because the basic bills would be paid. I had medical insurance and the basic bills were paid. It's not a bad gig. And it left me the time, not a lot, but it left me enough time to try other things. It's easier to sleep that way, too. Okay, now we can play, you know, and then I try some stuff. They didn't work. Or, you know, they work in a... You pat yourself on the back, but they're not like, you know, I wrote on the warrior's path. That's sweet. It did well. Did well still means financially nothing, you know. is not something that I could uh, not only live on, but even make a huge difference in time. It didn't turn you into Stephen King? or No, not quite. And and it's considered, you know, a modern classic about martial art philosophy and, you know, a bunch of people read it. That, again, that's nice. That didn't... I, my imagination was like, I'll write and that's going to make me a bunch of money. Not really. I tried a bunch of things. Overwhelmingly, most of them didn't work. But at the same time, I'm not trying a bunch of things while not being able to pay the bills. At least I have this other thing that I jumped through enough hoops that's covering my ass. 
okay, we're good. Then I can keep trying things. Okay, then I will write uh, 50 things. So then I will try some podcasting. Then I will try, and even with podcasting, you know, what we have done, we are considered, quote-unquote, successful, and we make nothing on Drunken Taoist. You know, that's where, you know, Drunken Taoist does better than most podcasts, and it's still so far from actually being uh, able to support itself. And foolishly, seven years. This is the beginning of the seventh year. Right. And it's, again, it's part of that game of we're playing. We're doing stuff that's fun and we try things. Like, then the one thing that starts working is history on fire. But even then, how much, how many seeds do I have to play, put in the ground for one thing to maybe pan out? And even with history on fire, then it pans out and it's like, oh, this is awesome. But look at the workload. Look at the workload, and it's not exactly like anybody would have said, yes, let's, uh, you with your heavy Italian accent should really start a podcast where there are no guests, it's just you talking to a microphone for two hours with your crazy accent about some obscure historical topics. That's a guaranteed financial success. I'm in, sign me up. Yeah, that's going to work well. I mean, there's a lot of luck involved in that too. There's skill, but there's luck. But do you feel you sold out at any point? No, I mean, I had, I had some, no, I had some major sellout proposals as of late. Like there was one for books where, uh, I, I won't get into the details because it get too shady, but just to give you the vibe is like, because a few years back, no literary agents would want to touch me, right? Because it's like, they want to see the immediate money. They are not seeing the immediate money. So I'm not good enough to sell out. More recently, I had this discussion where suddenly literary agents love me because it's uh, how you got a brand, you got history on fire, you got a lot of audience, you have. So now we see the dollar sign there. Now we like you. So they all want to talk to me. Sweet. Same people who would have not given me, no, would have not, didn't give me the time of day in the past. Now I'm interesting. So in their mind, do they think each one of those listeners is going to buy three books? I don't know what it they is. They can't but... possibly. I mean, what, I mean, an honest percentage is maybe 5%. Yeah, but... If it was really... I think with that kind of package set up, they can still sell it for a lot to a publisher. Most publishers are taking gambles anyway because they will give way more money than they should to 10 different writers one of them is gonna make it solid and is gonna allow them to pay for all the other nine plus more so it's part of their business right well that's the way hollywood used to run like, yeah see, let's make 20 20 million dollar movies yeah and if see two or three one, of them make it that covers our nut on everything exactly now it's it's a different gig 300 yeah. million a piece for one and nobody gets to work but the funny one on the on the literary agents was uh, it, it already started feeling weird because they were crafting books for me in a way oh. that I'm like, yeah, that's not really a book I want to write, but okay, I'm still listening, but I'm not understanding where we're going with this. Can you give an example? Uh, I mean, it's just like, you know, history-related books where I'm just like, yeah, that's those are not, you know, they are my topics, but the, the way it's cut, the way it's shaped, the way it's done is not, like it's beginning to tinker at the edges of what I would like to do. Not enough for me to pick up on it yet. And then eventually it's like, okay, now we need to, we need to hire a professional pitch writer to write it. And then with that, we're going to make enough money. Now, when we do get the big money, 
clearly you don't really want to write the silly books, right? We're going to hire a ghostwriter for you so you don't have to mess with it. And I was like, I'm sorry, the ghostwriter? And and I won't get into the other shadiness that gets even worse of what they said. It really throws an unsavory light on the whole publishing process. But basically the whole vibe, without getting into the sordid details, was this is about money. It's about nothing else, right? It's about we're going to polish this product, we're going to make it spark with all the buzzword that a publisher is going to give us uh, some high six-figure contract for. And that's what we're going to do. And you're going to make money and you don't even have to write. Oh, my God. Exactly. And, and I hang up the phone feeling I so quickly needed a shower. I was like, and that, by the way, was success. That was the ultimate success is we will sell you out and you'll get the big check. And I was Can you imagine so... books coming out that you couldn't even stand behind? Exactly. I was like. I think I wrote it on Facebook. I had this thing where it's like, you know, if I, I understand needing money, but if I need money that bad, I think I'm, I would find it way more honest to go sexually please guys at truck stops than to do this shit. At least you're accomplishing something. There's, it's honest. It is, you know, again, matching practice with words. You, that's what you're going to do. You say that's what you're going to do and that's what you do. In this stuff, you're trying to sell an image of, right? To me, writing is about passion, is about self-expression. Not ghostwriters and the big check and we'll scheme our way to a New York Times bestseller. And who the hell are these ghostwriters? Talk about selling yourself out. I don't even want to know. I'm good. What is that? An AI cranking out stuff? Or uh, who are those people? Who would want, who, what writer would want that? Uh, I mean... Because they're obviously going to make less money. I actually the... understand the ghostwriter better because it's like, give me some random shit. I can write well and in a hurry. I have no attachment to the project. I'll make it polish enough that it looks good for a very superficial bite and throw it away kind of thing. But they're not examining it and trying um, to make each sentence. No, of course not. It's, um, but I understand, honestly, I understand the place of the ghostwriter way better than the other way around. Like but then for, you're obviously selling out. Exactly. So that's why when I got that, I was like, you know, I would, I could definitely use the money, but fuck you. I can't do this. No, that's just not, it's not who I am. That's not what I'm going to do. That just, and it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even a hard decision. Where it's like, oh man, I really need the money. I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, I'll go rob a bank before I do that. You know, it's like, there are lines that you don't cross. And that was one that I'm like, I'm not crossing that line. No, this there is... wouldn't be any coming back from that either. No. Because once you're pigeonholed into that. No. Um, Ghostwriting nameplate. No, fuck that. I, I couldn't, I, again, it sounds very rhetorical. I couldn't live with myself. But that's when you really understand what the sentence means. Is like, no, I couldn't do that. I, I would feel, and, and again, all of this, to make a point of, this is the image of success, right? This is the scenario where things have worked out well. But I'm like, yeah, that's not what I want. It's not who I am. It's not what I want. Not going to happen, you know? So no, I don't feel like, I feel like I've walked a pretty good line between, uh, of course, having to make compromises. You know, there are gazillion classes I've taught in college. I would have probably realistically liked to teach 20% of them. I would have had more fun and more time for myself. So there's stuff that I have to do with my life that I'm not happy to have to do. At the same time, 
it's not that bad. It's not working in the mines in Bulgaria where I don't know why Bulgaria, by the way, but whatever. It's sound. Picking strawberries. The so my bad days are not that bad, and uh, you know, yeah, I try ten thousand things and only a few have work, but hey, only a few have work, so that's something, you know. So how do you address the question? Do you think I think what I'm hearing you say is that we all sell out to a certain percentage? It's just the nature of existence. Yeah, I mean, if you think that you can sit back and write the book of your dreams and somebody's going to show up with a seven-figure contract. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. You know, maybe you write Harry Potter. That would be nice. But again, as you said earlier, there's one in a gazillion who tried this. And it's like winning the lottery. Yeah, you have the same odds. With people with similar skill sets. Yeah, too. that's what's absolutely. amazing. And that's the, that's the same Hollywood. They're all, probably... A good percentage of these actors or a good percentage of these people that show up in Nashville with their guitar, oh, they can write a nice song and they can for sure play and there's just no telling. The number of amazing musicians, actors, writers that you have never heard of is yeah. probably off the charts. You know, there For are sure. Absolute geniuses whose name you've never heard because things didn't pan out, you know, and that's part of the gig. So I think it's important to have... Uh, realistically three things maybe four somewhere around there yeah. where one is less ideal but pay your bills because that's important you cannot be constantly stressing about where the next 10 bucks come from um and again ideally the one that pays the bills is the least amount of compromise you can possibly make in terms of who you are your ideals your time and energy yeah so that's one and then the other ones should be more passion projects, but you definitely want to have more than one because probably one is not going to work. Yeah. I mean, probably three are not going to work, but at least it increases your odds, you know. And even if you can make a little out of it, okay, that's something already. And if you can turn that little into more, hey, then that's where luck comes into because realistically you don't know. None of this is a guarantee. It's all, uh, it's all an attempt. Well... It's sometimes just nice to wake up the next morning. Yeah, absolutely. And again, when you can say, I'm going to take my crazy shot, but I also have a safety net under my feet, where it's like, it doesn't mean that if this one in a million chance doesn't pan out, all hell is going to break loose in my life. It's a little better than just having to go out there on a limb and like Eminem, after you have thrown up your man's spaghetti, you have to take that, you know. Uh, so th that's my approach is uh, have three things one of them slightly safer ideally it's not a complete sellout thing that would be the way to go now I don't know like if I was for example if I wasn't teaching college what would I, what I would have done I remember a couple of things I wanted to do as uh, I wanted to teach martial arts and I wanted to, believe it or not, I don't know if I ever told you, maybe once I mentioned it before, I actually wanted to do massage, as not as in a sexually pleasing guys at truck stop, but in actual therapeutic massage. Is a something ever since I was a kid, I was pretty good at it, where I would do it and people would be very, very, especially women, which probably that's what made me really good at it because it gave me good incentive to become good at massaging. So I have a good eye, good sensitivity for it. And I was like, I think I could do this. I think that would not be... Now, is it going to bring me gazillion dollars? No. 
But but think of the happiness that you're bringing to the world, or at least stress relief. That you make some money doing something that's not horrible. Yeah. And then you can do something else. And the third, and between all of them, you probably make a decent living, you know? Send us an email and we'll get you scheduled, folks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So that's... I wish I could give you a better one that was the 12. There's no, there's no great answer to that one. I mean, that's a tough one. You have to make a choice to something. Where's your line? That's yeah. the other thing. And, but I would, I hear Mike Rowe, the guy who did dirty jobs. He's mm-hmm. kind of been running his mouth lately about, oh, going for your dreams is just ridiculous. And I couldn't agree with that less. Yeah. But like you said, going all in with nothing else. Yeah. That's kind of foolish as well. But yeah. Sometimes that's what people do. It's a good Taoist balance, right? Yeah. It's like you want to have a balance between some safety and security. Yeah. Of course, if you go too much the way you're trading your soul. And on the other end, taking a shot. But if you go too far the way you are sleeping under a bridge, homeless. So it's like somewhere in between that. Find a sweet spot that says enough yin and enough yang in there to keep you going and happy with yourself that's the way to go and then just be like the rest of us just see what happens yep absolutely music means one thing and that's the end of another fine episode of the drunken towers podcast it was sort of like a rantathon. i know it's excellent kept going oh, it's furious times these days no but it was fun not a good time today yeah, absolutely um if you can please remember to use our amazon link that's always appreciated we have it there it's completely collapsing i'm not sure is that people are stop using it or amazon changed the rules or what but like the use of our amazon link has decreased by at gazillion so if it's just because you guys forgot keep in mind it's still there it would be nice if you still use it well we'll examine it to see if there's something insidious going on yeah good to find out well i guess amazon got to pay for their 15 dollar minimum wage now somehow right so well there's... good for all those folks i heard the uh the whole food folks always got a bump too so. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so there's that um we mentioned in the open worth mentioning again amazing rush guards at nevertapgear.com designed by savannah m tomagods and the female samurai with sword drawn and severed head severed or that's how you pronounce it yeah Yeah. i always say severed it's pretty funny well it is pretty severe that you've been severed yeah that would do it that works so check it out if you roll jujitsu or do any other activity that require rush guards check that one out because it's amazing uh, shall we say thank you to the sweet folks who donated? Absolutely. Let's make it happen. Let the pottering begin. Thank you this month to Gianni or Yanni, not sure, Linima, Aaron Weisner, Michael Allen, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Samuel McNichol, and Lisa Robles. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Feel indeed. free to join the roles, everybody. We'll be happy to rip your name apart. Of course, thank you to 
the holy trinity of our regular sponsor short design t-shirts uh, datsusara and onnit i mentioned datsusara and onnit uh, announcements at the open so check it out there and you know for all of these guys please check their websites to see if there's anything that they sell that you could use which is always sweet Kiva.org continues to grow and grow. There's uh, 219 of your fellow listeners out there that want you to join us and uh, send out loans to help folks that can uh, have an improved life, don't have to worry about local loan sharks, and uh, when the money comes back, you can lend it again, over and over and over again. Not a bad deal. Curacao chocolate with some seriously good chocolates that they send us sometime. It's always very welcome when it arrives because it tastes so damn good and amazing ingredients. And of course, thank you to Daisy House for the cool music that they have let us use for all these years. Cool, that's a wrap. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-L-E-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about. Translate for me, please. I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.